0: The driver's coat appears to be some kind of uniform. He's a patrolman, perhaps, or whatever they have on the ground. Maybe they don't keep order down here at all. Princess Celeste elbows me, and now that she has my attention, she nods to her window. Outside, a large machine is set some distance from the buildings. It's like a giant metal bug, its legs suspended in the air, Each leg is painted a different color, and at the tips are what appear to be clouds. I can't tell if the princess is attempting to smile. Her eyes still have their sparkle, but she is, for once, subdued. Our vehicle rolls to a stop. I look out the window on Basil's side, and I see the other vehicles stopping alongside us. I want to run out and join my brother and Alice, and Penn, who was fighting tears the last time I saw her. But I don't move. Basil puts his other hand on my arm as though to protect me. The driver steps out into the snow, and the cold air cuts right through my skin before he closes the door again. The princess speaks first. This is it, there isn't a soul inside out there. This is what we've been banished from? Doors open in the other vehicles. I see Alice first. A man is trying to escort her toward the building where we've parked, but she dodges him and reaches into the car to help Lex. The sight of my brother, pale as the snow, causes me to abandon reason. I open the door. Wait, Basil says. I have to let him know I'm okay, I say. Basil understands. He climbs out first and keeps hold of my hand. Lex, I call. My brother's head immediately rises from its weary drooping. Morgan? His voice is panicked and relieved. Sister? I'm here, I say. I'm right here. The words are heavy on my tongue. This cold is freezing me to the bone. I try to reach for my brother, but one of the uniformed men is steering Basil and me toward that building. Even before the door has opened, I can smell the strange and unfamiliar foods cooking inside. I bite my lip and take one last look over my shoulder before I'm guided inside. I can see Lex and Alice, and behind them, just a flicker of Penn's blonde curls for an instant, a flash, a thought I can't catch. I hold on to Basil's hand as though my life depends on it. It might. They bring us to a row of metal chairs, and we're each given tea. It looks strange in its cup, weak, weak. They probably have different herbs on the ground, a different ecosystem, too. I don't drink the tea. I don't trust it. But I still appreciate its warmth against my palms. Though we've come in from the snow, we're all shivering. What a sight we must be for these uniformed men. People who fell from the sky in a metal bird, sitting in a row, not a word uttered among the lot of us. The professor is the only one of us who's missing. I heard one of the uniformed men say that he refuses to leave the aircraft. Aircraft is a new word also. A different uniformed man is sitting behind a desk staring at us. He glances between us and an open ledger on his desk. None of you are going to talk, are you? He says. Silence they always stick me with the weird ones. He mumbles, more to his ledger than to us. Last week, the caped vigilante, and this week, the party on an aircraft made of windows and doors. I suppose he's referring to the metal bird. I got a fleeting glimpse of it as we were hustled away, for the first time seeing it in the daylight. This man's description isn't far from the truth. Is this them? a man cries as the doors burst open. I flinch, and Basil grabs hold of my arm. This man wears a long black coat that is dusted with snow and yet his-